A very warm welcome to the Change Conversations podcast, where we help individuals to reignite the spark to look at their lives and careers with a different lens. Our interactions interrogate different individuals of all backgrounds who seek to be equipped for change in their careers and personal goals. I am your host, Mbumengu Betaga, and I look forward to bringing you impactful change conversations. Welcome, everybody. Today, I have um, a very good friend of mine that I've known for, I don't even know how many years, youngs and youngs, yeah, like we go far. Anyway, she's here to talk to us about her career transitioning. And I think the most important thing here is to showcase to people that it is possible to change careers. As you all know, I've done it and I've had friends who've done it. So it is doable and it doesn't matter how old you are, as long as you put your mind to it. Anyway, follow us, subscribe and um, take time to sit with us through this conversation. Hi, Lusanda. Hi, Ume. Uh, will, I be, will I be dating you, aging you, if I say how long we've known each other? <laughs> no, please don't. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a while. It's been a while. <laughs> it's been a minute or two. <laughs> so I need you to introduce yourself. I find that people do better jobs when they introduce themselves than me. I, I, I might be the exception to that. I, I, I probably do better once people ask me questions. But anyway, my name is Lusanda Gia. Um, for, yeah, for having changed career so many times, I now introduce myself as a, an independent consultant. Um, but I've done quite a few other things before that. I don't know how much Thank- more I have to say. No, we'll unpack it just now. So let, in fact, let's just start. Okay. So, so talk to me about where your career started. What did you study at university and what was your first career? Okay. At university, I studied, gee, even then, quite a variety of things. I was one of those people who didn't do my degree in three years because I, 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 I changed majors and to things like that somewhere along the way. And so ended up with a number of interesting, an interesting mix of, 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 of credits, I think. But essentially I studied English and legal theory in my junior degree. I then in my postgrad studies went to study education. And so my first career was as a teacher. I taught in high school. Yeah, I started there. I did that for in high school for two years, went back to study full time, uh, continued to work as an educator, but moved to tertiary. And after that is the first real, if you like, career change, although it was still in education. Okay, so moving out of um, tertiary uh, teaching. Then what did you do next? Um, it was 1994. That's where I am showing my age. And <laughs> the first uh, post-apartheid government was being set up. 
Uh, and there was an opportunity presented to me to basically go and work in the new government. So I went to, I joined government at national level. I worked in the office of the then, the first Minister of Education, Professor Sibusebengu, as a special assistant to the minister. Okay. And that really signaled a, a change for me because I didn't go back to teach after that. I stayed with government. Um, I, stay, I worked at national level first, then went back to province in a different government department. And mm -hmm. um, yeah, change career again after that. Yeah, so, but to, to, so at that point in time, what made you decide to move out of teaching into getting into government? What, to be what honest was... with you, it was excitement. Okay. It was excitement for this thing that we had uh, fought for for so many years that we probably didn't think would happen in our lifetime. Uh, mm -hmm. I had been a student activist. I had been an activist in, as a teacher. Um, okay. And this liberation was something that, I mean, generations before us at Fort Four, we didn't necessarily think it was gonna happen in our lifetime. And when it did, it was an exciting opportunity to be part of the change you had mm. campaigned for, for so many years. So that, that was the motivation really. It was for me, an opportunity arose uh, and I thought it would be, it would be a good, um, yeah, a good opportunity to, to contribute to something bigger than what I yeah. may have imagined when I started out. Yeah. So how did you sell yourself? You were coming out of teaching. Well, what, what was that, the selling point? Interestingly, that was the biggest, that was, no, sorry, the easiest of the sales I've had to make in my career transitions because okay. I was a teacher. I had worked in the education sector. I knew stakeholders in the education sector. Um, I had, um, in, my, in my role as a teacher and in my role as, a, as, a, as an activist in the teacher unions at the time, I had engaged with government, specifically the education department. Um, so I kind of knew how it worked in a sense. It was mm. not something wholly new. Um, yeah. So that was all the, all the career transitions I've made, probably the easiest one because okay. it was in the same field. Yeah. So it, it would be, it was still in the same industry, if you want to call yes. it that. Yeah. yeah it was, industry. yeah. It was still education. It was still education. Okay. Mm -hmm. So out of, out of, um, so because then you went into education mm -hmm. at national, did you then continue into education in the province as well? Or did you move actually, to something else? Actually, I didn't. Um, I moved to the Department of Arts and Culture from education. Okay. Yeah. That was interesting. Mm -hmm. Because... I, I, I didn't think I knew anything. I essentially got, I had applied for a position in that department for, that, that was more related to what I was doing, I thought. Okay. The position was for a deputy director in language and, and, and linguistics. Okay. Basically. So 
the 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 transition was I I had studied education I had I had a master's in English um, it was it was arts and culture but it was still allied to you know language which was what I specialized in so yeah. that's the role I applied for but it's not the role I was given okay so what um, happened um I think in that instance it was a matter you know when once Sometimes you are lucky enough in your in your path to come across people that 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 have faith in you, mm-hmm. <laughs> that think you can do more than what you've even thought of doing. I think that yeah. was the case because the person who uh, who was head of the department at that time, this this provincial directorate, simply asked me. She contacted me uh, and told me she she would like to have me on board. Um, but um, she actually has a different role in mind, uh, and would I consider it? And I think possibly in a similar way to where I was excited for the opportunity to work for national government, I thought, okay, here's something different, you know, and it's it's related to what I've done, though not completely the same. Let's see. And it, it proved to be a very interesting role because mm. essentially um, we were starting up a new directorate for arts and culture in the province. And the okay. role that was, I was given was one that in a way had housed the, uh, um, some of the strategy work that we were doing in terms of how we were envisioning this thing. So we sat around mm-hmm. the table together collectively. Then how do we showcase the province? Okay, people mm-hmm. had specialist areas like uh, um, the arts and crafts and music and language and those things. And the role mm-hmm. I was given was a role that really looked for a way of 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 showcasing the best of the Eastern Cape across all of those areas. It was called mm-hmm. exhibitions and festivals, but it was really about uh, uh, promoting culture and cultural tourism into the Eastern Cape. So I got to work with all my colleagues across mm. uh, uh, the division, but also work with external uh, um, uh, uh, stakeholders like the mm-hmm. Department of Tourism, the Department of Sport, and, and, and other institutions where we could work collectively to promote mm. from a cultural perspective. Yeah. So So what is it about you that doesn't phase you when it comes to change? That's an interesting thing. Uh, my, my, my father said, once said to me, um, he doesn't understand this about me because I seem to feel this compelling need every few years to jump feet first into something completely new. He doesn't understand where I get that from. So um, I like change. Change isn't easy, but there's an opportunity in it to discover something more about yourself, to make okay. something, to take, to take what you know and see how it is applicable even elsewhere. Because the one thing that's the same throughout this journey is me. Mm. Every, and every, everything that I do adds something to what was there. But essentially, I'm taking me throughout the journey. So mm. it's literally for me about discovering myself. I think it's been a big part of my growth uh, mm. to, to have explored different parts 
of me. And maybe, maybe part of it is that for all the career guidance that there was an attempt to do in my early years, and there wasn't much of an effort <laughs> to do that, you know, in the years when I was at school, there wasn't really career guidance. Mm, mm. Um, except for people thinking if you're good at maths, if you're good at science, then you're going to be a doctor. But beyond that, nobody really tried to, to find out what made you tick and therefore. I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't yeah. really. I, I, I went into teaching probably most fundamentally because I was inspired by, by my parents. My parents, mm. I think, are still the most passionate and inspired educators I've, I've come across. Yeah, um, yeah. Even in the various careers that I've had, I, I always, it's inevitable I will bump into people who've either been taught directly by my parents or were at, um, at the institution where they worked and somehow found them inspirational. Mm -hmm. People will always remind me. And I think that's what inspired my first move. And it was the one career I've been exposed to. Because I mean, again, back in our days, you didn't see lots of careers. It's a career I knew. From, from having grown up around educators. Mm. But after that, uh, my parents probably played a big role as well because they were always very clear that just because this is what they did, they didn't necessarily push us in that direction. In fact, they were all about look for different things to do, find other opportunities. That's probably yeah. a big part of it. Mm -hmm. mm. So after the Eastern Cape, where does Lusanda end up? Um, she then ventures into corporate for the first time. Okay. What did that look like? <clears throat> okay. So as I said, my, my, my role in the Eastern Cape province had to do with trying, with looking at what we were doing collectively as in the different parts of the of the directorate that I worked for and looking at how that was packaged into, into, into events and opportunities to promote cultural tourism for the Eastern Cape province. And in that role, I found myself engaging more and more with even external stakeholders to the department from governments elsewhere, where we sometimes took performers from the Eastern Cape, artists from the Eastern Cape to places like Europe or collect, working collectively with uh, twin cities on behalf of the Eastern Cape province elsewhere, uh, working with the the tourism industry in the Eastern Cape, working with academic institutions, with the media, which was very new to me, <laughs> working mm -hmm. with the media to basically talk through what we were trying to do, you know, and working yeah. with people in other provinces. My, my next role was in public relations, which I, I had uh, never thought of as a career. Um, mm -hmm. I can't claim to have known how it worked, you know, I hadn't particularly applied my mind to it. In fact, when I first got to the Eastern Cape, I had to keep being nudged into, but you must remember to tell the media, you must remember to publicize what you're doing. <laughs> you know, when I first got there, I had to keep, you know, people had to keep reminding me that mm. I, I had to tell what we're doing, yeah. to showcase what we're doing. It wasn't just about the doing, it was also about being seen to be doing it. To be doing, yeah. Yes. So. The next, the next role that I went to then was to go and work for a public relations company. Mm. 
And um, interestingly, the person who recruited me into that role, again, was somebody who had known me previously, but probably 10, 15 years before we'd been in high school. Um, mm -hmm. And I had, I had literally just inquired about work opportunities. Um, because I, I had decided after having gone, come to Johannesburg, Pretoria, then gone back to the Eastern Cape for two years, I now wanted to come back to, yeah, to, yeah. to, to Houteng again. So I, I literally asked initially out of informal conversation. And then uh, somebody told somebody who told somebody, and then they were recruiting and there was a conversation. Uh, we have a role. This role has to do with, um, with, with research, uh, for our for our clients about why it is that the 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 transformation and communication programs they've embarked on aren't really working. Now, in part because I mean I was a um, I'd studied at postgrad level, I'd done research, uh, and 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 my exposure in the Eastern Cape, I thought it sounded mm -hmm. interesting. Okay. And I also thought it was a safe way of getting into public relations that I didn't know a hell of a lot about uh, from yeah. a perspective of, of, of research and I could learn more about it as, as, as I went through. So I managed a few clients, uh, but a lot of the work that I did, especially in the first year, was literally going in to do surveys. We okay. conducted focus groups, we ran we did questionnaires, we, we then produced reports that said, this is what's happening from the yeah, perspective, yeah. especially of your internal stakeholders. By the way, I didn't even know the terminology about stakeholders at the time, I call them that now. But mm. in the fact that I didn't know, I didn't know that word. But mm. the, the, the idea was to, to, to try and uncover why it was that it was four or five years after 19, um, no, like three and four years, after 1994, everybody had embarked on a transformation program, and yet yeah. somehow the change wasn't happening. And yeah. if you, I mean, with any experience of working with people, you will know that whenever people are going through change, one of the things they complain a lot about is communication. They will say yeah. that the communication, I don't know what's going on, uh, mm -hmm. which, by the way, I discovered very early, they, by which they did not mean I don't get enough newsletters from the PR department. They didn't mean that when they said there's no communication. They literally meant, I don't know what's going on. I don't know how my role is going to change. I don't know what this new organization looks like. Um, I don't know how it, it impacts what I have to do and whether there's still a role for me in there and, and whether or, or else that my role has to change. Um, how long is this going to take? Um, am I still going to be here at the end of it? Uh, yeah, yeah. And, and, and that's not information they necessarily thought needs to be coming by a newsletter from a PR department. It was information they, they expected the people who led them to, say, to tell them. And yet, yeah. at times like that is, is precisely when leadership tends to not be visible to lead. Yeah. Yeah. They're visiting yeah. boardrooms, discussing strategy. They are not engaging with the teams they lead directly and telling mm. them what's mm. happening. They think it's enough to send out the newsletters. So I, I learned about that kind, you know, that, 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 that was my introduction to the world of public relations. Yeah. Um, as I stayed a little bit longer, um, it, it, it is actually what became the segue to my, to my, to, 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 to in pretty much what I then I did for, I've done since that time, which is yeah. Yeah. 
thinking about stakeholders and the impact of, of what companies do, organizations do on stakeholders and why it is that you need to get them on board in order to give to give traction to what you're trying to do and how it is that you go about doing that. It's, it's, it, yeah. That was the beginning of it. Because somehow for me, it was, there's a gap here about why, why do we do this thing beyond events and publicity and, but why are we actually, why are we doing this? What's in it for the people on the other side? And how, yeah. how is it, what's the best way to get them on board? You know, when you've yeah. got to have that kind of connection. So, so from that, from that, from working for a PR agency, my next job was to actually go and work for a company in a role that had communication and marketing. And it wasn't called that at the time, it was called communication, basically the stakeholder management role. So I went, okay. I went, I went from that PR agency to doing that. Yeah. yeah. So, so, but listening to you, I'm gathering that there are skills that you kind of transferred from one role to the next role to the yes. next role to the next yes. role. But mm. sometimes people then don't think about that um, skills are transferable. So hence, they find it very difficult to change careers because they can't apply themselves to saying, these are the skills that I have, and then I can transfer them to this. I what can you say around that? That's been my biggest lesson. Yeah. When I wanted to get out of the department, the national department, the government at national level, yeah. I was frustrated. The, it, the role was exciting at the beginning when the new department was being set up. As things started to stabilize and people came into their roles, there wasn't, it wasn't as exciting, mm, mm. right? And my role wasn't as fulfilling. And there was a point at which I was in fact frustrated. So in wanting to get out, I was, I was moved a lot by, I don't want to do this anymore. And mm -hmm. yet I had the same problem of thinking, but the skills that I have, where else can I use them? You know, yeah. um, mm -hmm. feeling that the only way I could go was, so do I go and look for it? Do I go looking in an academic institution to go and teach again? Do I go and look for, for work, I mean, I got into I interviewed with NGOs in education because I thought that was the only skill I had. Mm, mm. But this opportunity that I got, as I, and as I said, it wasn't precisely my plan. I had I had applied for a role that I thought was more aligned to what I knew, yeah. and yet I found that in the new role, I had in fact acquired skills that I could, I could use in the new role. For instance, mm. just one example, one of my yeah. roles in working with the national minister, what was missing and the reason that they decided to bring in a special assistant was that in the transition from the, the apartheid era to, to the new government, stake, the stakeholders changed. So the people mm. who sat in the minister's office who came from the old department didn't know the new role, role players. I mean, a simple example would be, um, uh, uh, they didn't know who a blatant Zimande was at the time. So if such a person, if such a person asked to meet the minister, looked for an appointment to meet the minister, they didn't know that they should agree to, her, to that appointment because they didn't know yeah. who this guy was. Yeah. And these were days uh, slightly before Google when you couldn't just go out and find out who the person is. So a big part of what I did was actually be the, 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 the liaison 
between the minister's office and various stakeholders that were interested parties in what we were doing. I I got to travel with him when he went to, to, to meetings. I was in the background. I didn't have a role to play in the actual meetings, but in, in, yeah. in setting up the meetings and being there in understanding what needed to be fed back into the department when we came back or if he was yeah. going to speak to different... I mean, I attended international conferences with him and things like this. So apart mm. from the content of education, which I had a solid back, backing in, I did acquire the skill of working with very different sets of individuals, but I, I hadn't thought about it. Yeah. I didn't see yeah. it like that until I saw myself in this role and suddenly found that there were things I could do because, in fact, I did, I did learn how to do them somewhere else. Yeah. One yeah. thing was the media because that had not been my role. So the one I had to keep being reminded, hey, but you have to tell people that you're doing this, you know, yeah. Um, yeah. which came handy, by the way, when I went into the PR company later that I'd had those kinds of work. So for me, that's, that's what I, if there's one fundamental thing that I've learned, it's literally that there's no skill that you have gained that becomes useless later on. It's not true. Yeah. It's yeah. simply yeah. not true. In fact, in my current role, I'm finding myself doing things that, you know, I had to, I had to do a work for, for, for a client in insurance. Mm-hmm. the insurance company for, for, for my current work that I do and I suddenly when I was now reading up I remembered that you know way back in the day when I worked in PR I had a client in this business and these were some of the issues yeah. you know yeah. and this is how we yeah. dealt with them and how we assisted them so yeah, um, yeah it, it's, it's, it's fascinating because you get reminded as you do, that in fact, I do have this knowledge and skill. I did learn it somewhere else before. So for me, that is probably one of the biggest lessons. And as I've gotten older and gotten into, into, gotten more experience, gotten into other careers, I have, I I have found that I no longer feel the need to, to defend that I don't have a particular set of skills. Uh, what yeah. I can do is to speak about the skills that I've gained and to understand how I transfer them into a new setting. Yeah. That has been, I found that very empowering because I've learned that th- there's absolutely nothing that you have learned in a, as a skill in a previous setting that becomes useless in a new one. It's not true. Yeah, yeah. No, no, I fully agree. And, and, and that's what's at the core of career transitioning, True. the element of being able to transfer the skill. And, and sometimes the thing is you need to be intentional and uh-huh. you need to understand what your skills are. Ah, you need to sit down and literally go, what these are the skills that I have. Or else sometimes you just don't even think about it, as you say. Like, no, it's, it's just something, I, you know? I, I can attest to that. I've, I've been more intentional later in my life because even as, as, as I was transitioning to where I am now, uh, before I, 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 I settled into actually I'm starting my own business, um, you know, especially with COVID and all these things that are going on, you are still yeah. tempted to think, uh, maybe I should just be looking for a job, you know? Mm-hmm. And 
But now I find that I'm able to look at different roles and understand what I would bring to that role. Yeah. Because yeah. I have a better sense of what my skill set is. I didn't mm. earlier on. I wasn't, I wasn't deliberate about it. I wasn't intentional about it. I didn't yeah. know what I knew. I yeah. didn't understand yeah. the wealth that lay in the skills I had already acquired, especially the skills you acquire, exp ex what's the word? Experientially. Yeah. Because those yeah. are critical. Those are critical because something that you learned how to do and have done sticks that much more as a skill that you acquired than, than, than just the book knowledge or the, the academic part. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's, and, yeah. And, and that's the part of you that you take with you that, that goes beyond what you may have studied academically. I mean, I look around, there are so many people that I know who studied such different things at university or tertiary, what other tertiary that are doing completely different things later on in life. Yeah. So, yeah. so it, it's fundamental. The point that you just made is very important of knowing what your skill set is. Yeah. How, I, do, how I, did, I didn't earlier on. I didn't. Yeah. I kept surprising how? myself pleasantly. <laughs> that, oh, I know how to do that. <laughs> And, and how do you bring strengths into this conversation? Understanding your strengths, like how do you bring that? Um, that's probably, again, one of those things that I've learned through time that I didn't do so well earlier on. So yeah. people, are, people are being more intentional about career transitions because the earlier ones were not very intentional. They were driven by a, I don't want to do this anymore. I, really, I, mm, I, I don't mm. want to do this. But I wasn't even clear that I don't want to do this as opposed to I don't want to be here. I wasn't that yeah. clear. Until for instance about teaching, somebody said to me, I, and I'm digressing, when I was frustrated and wanting to get out of education, somebody said to me, I don't understand. You're just being spoiled. Why don't you just go back and teach then? And I mm. knew in that moment only did I realize that I actually don't want to teach. Mm, mm -hmm, and it, mm. it, it freed me to look at other possibilities of, of matching up the experience and skill that I had to be more open to other things because I suddenly realized, uh, but I don't want to. I want to do something else. And I think- But where does, where does the courage come from though, Sanda? You know, that there are people that are stuck in jobs because even when they know that, but I can't do this anymore, their thought of going out to try and explore something else, just, 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 it's like, it freaks them out. But there are people like you and me that mm -hmm. are just like, they wake up one day and they go, nah, not this anymore. No. and really work towards to then getting themselves out into something and, and, and by the way, it's not because it's not scary to go into Very scary. It, you know, because um, I can think of at least one, if not two, times where I've been in a, in, a, in, a, in a new job situation where I've thought, why on earth did I think I could do this? Did I think I could do this, you know? And yet the with time, I've also got into a situation where it's a, a, a matter of, of being daring, if you like, where you think, okay, I haven't done this before, but you know what? 
I think I can, you know? I think I can. And what I don't know, I'm going to be intentional about learning. I can say, I can tell you that as I've, as I've grown more senior experientially in where I probably started building up towards the specialization I do now, okay? Mm. In those roles, what I was doing was, was, was going up in seniority and going across different industries. Okay. Yeah. So different yeah. industries. I've worked in water. I've worked in water and sanitation, in electricity, in aviation, and and I've worked in IT. And the thing that I had learned by then was I must make it my business to learn the things that I understand to be gaps. Mm, I must be professional mm. about very quickly upskilling myself and putting up and not waiting for a program with HR and not but but making it my own business to learn. So, I mean, I can give you an example in, in, in the last job that I was in mm, where mm. I, I wasn't realizing that. I know what I know about how you, you, you put down a system for systematically managing relationships in support of your strategy and what are the things yeah. you need to look for and what are the components of making something like that work. I know how to do that, but I don't know these stakeholders. Mm, they are mm. new to me because I have not worked in this industry. And in order to understand the stakeholders and how they are positioned around issues, you've got yeah. to know the industry. Mm, mm. So I made it my business to look for people in the organization and literally have them sit with me, the first person, sit with me weekly and, and teach me about the mm. industry. Yeah. So sit with me two, three hours every week, take material, read, okay? Yeah. Introduce myself to my fellow executives, go and sit with them and understand what are your challenges? With where we're going now, what are you most worried about? Yeah, yeah. So tell me about how this works. And part of it, by the way, is not being scared to, to, to know, is not being scared to ask when you know what, that you don't know. Part of being intentional. That you don't know. Yeah. Is, 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 you know, okay, I don't know this and not being scared to ask. But you'll yeah. be scared to ask if you think that it's a weakness that you don't know that particular thing. And that comes yeah. from not being aware of what your strengths are. When you are aware of what your strengths are, what you do know, then you know what you're bringing to a conversation. That they know everything else, but I'm the one who knows this. Yes, so I yeah. don't have to worry in engaging with them about I don't know what they know. I can ask what I don't know. Mm-hmm. But how do you sell yourself, though, Sanda, in these interviews where you're walking in and you know that you have not done this job? Because now mm-hmm. your, your career transitioning, mm-hmm. but you know this is what you're bringing. How do you sell yourself in those positions? Um, you, you do that thing that you talked about. You, you do your self-audit of what you do know the skills yeah. that you know you have, mm. the experience that has brought you to this point mm. and what it is, how it is that you think that would contribute, how it would contribute to, to the new role. Yeah. So, and, and that, that means a bit of work. You can't go into an interview just based on you saw the job spec. You must have applied your mind to um, in looking at the list of things that they need. This and this and this and this, I know I can do. In fact, over and above this, there's also this strength, this experience that I bring from somewhere else. And you, yeah. and, and, and you are clear and you talk 
you talk persuasively about those things. You talk mm. confidently on those things. And yeah. even to the point, and those are the things you do emphasize, even to the mm. point of being clear at a, at, at a push to say, I don't have experience doing this. But the reason that I think I can do it is because I have done this and that. Yeah, yeah. But that so, confidence, not everybody has got that confidence of being able to sell themselves. Mm-hmm. What do you think they can do? One thing. Um, that understanding of, I used to get irritated by questions about what are your strengths? What are your weaknesses? Mm-hmm. They used to irritate me. Okay. <laughs> Because no, they used to irritate me. And to, if I'm honest, even now they still irritate me a little bit. But but it's important to know them. Yeah. It's important to know them. It goes back to that point I made about the only thing you take with you when you are moving across life situations, across career work situations, is you. Mm-hmm. That's the, that's your constant companion on this journey is yourself and for me the different career opportunities have all been about exploring different parts of myself so for instance you know i maybe i'm digressing a little bit i remember having a conversation with one of the of my uh, managers senior managers in one of the in, in one of the jobs that i held she she was very experienced Okay. And she had made, uh, um, she had, over years, she had climbed up the ladder in this organization okay, and was regarded as one of the senior people. Um, mm. And I, it, was, it was an observation from before, but I thought it was particularly, uh, 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 particularly so in observing her situation. As senior mm. as she had gotten, as much as she had moved up, climbed up the ladder, I noticed that when I asked her to lead certain things, there were people in the company who related with her in a way that said they still see that intern that, that came. Mm-hmm. That's, that's one of the downsides of staying in one place, doing one thing, is that if you're only engaging with those people and never... You, you never give yourself the opportunity to test what you know against others who may do similar or different things. Mm-hmm. And I think part of, a big part of the confidence, it does come from actually immersing yourself in new and different things. You've got to yeah. do it. If you're not doing it in your career, for a start, do it in other things in your life. Yeah, yeah. So that you, you, you understand that as a human being, even yourself, you are not static. You have grown. The, dif- the difference between you now and you 10 years ago is something that you are aware of. Yeah. So to begin to understand that you, you, you've not, in fact, stood, even when you think you've stood still, you probably haven't. Mm-hmm. And so, because I remember this, 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 this colleague that I'm speaking about now, she would get very frustrated to the point of even tears at how certain people treated her because she yeah. had grown. She'd studied further, she'd grown her skill sets, but they still saw her only in one way. Yeah, yeah. And so, and, 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 and because I suspect she also saw them in a particular way even though she'd now closed rank and she was closer to them in rank, 
she still saw them as senior to her. Senior to her. Mm-hmm. Yes. So you need you need to you need to break that, and that's one of that's one of the reasons. I don't, <laughs> I don't want to suggest that everybody's path must be the same. It's not, and there are people yeah. who are very satisfied to be in a particular industry, for instance, because it is what they're passionate about. Mm-hmm. But it's possible that even doing a different role in the same industry gives you space yeah. to explore mm-hmm. other skills, other interests that you have. Yeah. Home yeah. So, yeah. so maybe one of the things that you can do if, 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 if you, you feel stuck, you're scared to make a jump into something completely different, is to maybe start by looking for different opportunities in the organization you currently work for and not just the things that you've always done. Yeah. Because I guess it is true that there is some truth to that people, you know, we have different personalities and things that we are, we are, what's the word I'm looking for? That we have the aptitude and, and propensity for, possibly, okay? There are some people who are specialists and they thrive like that, uh, you know, yeah. being specialists there. They, they, they know a hell of a lot about what you could see as a narrow field, but they're specialists. It's what they know yeah. and know better than anybody else. And, yeah. and it's what yeah. they, they, they constantly are learning about and teaching themselves and they become experts. You also have generalists, and I consider myself a bit of a generalist, probably more of a generalist, generalist than a specialist, because yeah. I'm one of those people who knows a little bit about a lot of things. Yeah. Okay. Um, mm. Although there is a special area that I would call myself, you know, very uh, specialist in but i I'm, I'm one of those people who know a little bit about a lot of things so who can find a way in a, in, a, in, in in just about in any conversation to relate to something that i know that or that i've yeah. done that i've had experience of so yeah but i just think all of us could benefit and it's part of what builds your your confidence is to see yourself in a slightly different setting from the norm and and, yeah. and see that, but i'm able I'm able to conduct myself here. Yeah. I, I, I can, I know, I, I'm knowledgeable here. There's something that I bring to this situation. So sometimes it might be a simple matter of, um, I mean, this is what I advised this one colleague. There, there, was, there were special projects being run that were like cross-divisional. And mm. I said to her, why doesn't she volunteer for those? Yeah. Because in working in a cross-functional team, that's about a specific project. She's, she's bringing into that team her own expertise from where she comes from, but in that team, she's going to have exposure to what other people are doing. As you know, companies yeah. tend to create silos. Yeah, yeah. That you don't often have sight of what other people are doing, even when what you're doing is supposed to be complementary. And sometimes yeah. working in the kind of project space gives you that opportunity to know what other people are doing. And who knows, coming from that, find, I mean, that happened, again, different colleague, also a, a she. The exposure to projects made her want to move to work in a different part of the organization. Yeah, and, yeah. And the opportunity that was brought by the fact that she was now exposed to the work that was happening there. And in the process of working in a project space, she had come to know people. So she had expanded the network even internally and knew when she knows she doesn't know something, she knows where to go and get the information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I think, I think what I'm taking from what you're saying is 
the exposure is big, but it's putting yourself out there and okay. literally be willing to, yes. to explore other things. Because if you're not willing to explore other things, then there's no point. Mm-hmm. And, and the networking component, because now when you're exposed to, be, you're exposed to different um, spaces, then you're going to meet different people. And chances are, when somebody in sales get to know that um, you are looking for something, they might say your name, you know what I mean? So, and they might then talk to you about other opportunities that are coming up in the business. Last question to you, Sanda. Do you think you found your passion? I think I have. Yeah! (laughs) (laughs) But although I will tell you that my life has... Career in particular has been such a, a roller coaster ride that I, the one thing I've learned is is never to say never to anything. So yeah. So I I I would not be hugely surprised if I learned in five years time that I'm now doing something else that's completely different. But what I'm doing now is almost feels like the culmination of everything that I've learned up until this point, mm, that mm. place where it, it comes together. Yeah. Yeah. And it almost feels like if I had never gotten the opportunity to do this, there would have been something missing in my life. Mm, mm. It, it is the one place where uh, uh, waking up at two o'clock in the morning because an idea comes to my head is, is, is not stressful to me because it literally is, is pulling, it, it feels like pulling together different parts of myself into a yeah. purpose. So yeah, I definitely feel like I've, 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 I've uncovered my passion. That's very, that's great to hear. I get, I get excited about people that um, are living their passion. I, I don't even take it further to purpose because I think purpose can be a very... It's a journey, you know what very, I mean? Very true. Yeah. So very for me, when you've just found your passion and you're doing things that you're passionate about, I get that excited. Find meaning, yes. That find meaning in, that it is fulfilling at a level beyond the cash you get at the end of a month to be yeah. doing this. Yeah. And it, it inspires you daily to do it. And you can be, be multi-passionate and yes. as you are, you know? Yes. You do your stakeholder management, independent consulting. Mm-hmm. And now you are also a businesswoman. But I think that's another story for another day. Absolutely. But I, what I can tell you is you are correct. Because I find that these things are equally part of me. They're very different. But they are both deeply, intrinsically expressions of me. And yeah. who I am. Yeah. I yeah. find... I find that I can tell you this, this other part that we might talk about on another day has been my lifesaver through the lockdown period. The creativity of it has been brilliant for, 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 for my mental health. Wow. And through, through the, the work, that work that I've done, it's, it's spilling over to, 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 to how I've managed to keep the part that is, that was my original business that I started with on, on, on the stakeholder relations and the training. It, 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 it gave life back to it after a time where basically lockdown 
shut us down and throw away the keys for a period. It's yeah, yeah. It sustained me and I've been able to inject it back too, which is wow. why I'm very clear on a daily basis that this, the two things I'm doing equally speak to parts of me, of who I deep, deeply speak to, to who I am, both of them. Yeah, yeah. So how do people find you um, if they want to get in touch with you? Maybe let's, in one sentence, what is this other business that you're doing? Um, the other business that I'm doing is a, a fashion uh, design um, uh, a business. Essentially, uh, my passion about fabric, which, is some, which has been there for years, for decades. Uh, yeah. And when I had an opportunity to, to travel through the African continent, I was always collecting fabric. By the time I was done, I had boxes of it in my, in my house. And I, and, and I mean, I've always said my, for the last good 15 to 20 years, my clothes get made for me. I decide what I want in the fabric and I go to somebody to make what I want out of it. Yeah, yeah. Turn that into a business. Turn that into a business. And I create clothing that's about how you dress in ways that express who you are. You know, if this speaks wow. to you, you know, if this speaks to you, then great. But it's literally about, and I, I call that, that business Zazise because it's about introducing you. Yeah. Yeah. body shape stopping the fight with clothes that don't work with your body shape and understanding how you work and 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 and, and therefore why it is that my clothes I, I love the fact that i don't make clothes for special occasions i make clothes that people will find reason to wear every day one person will yeah. throw on a pair of and take you to work another one will pour, take sneakers and take it for a, a jaunt in the park with their family another one will yeah. take it that, that's the, those the kind of clothes that i like i, I like to make okay okay and so where do people find you on social media if they want to get in touch? Um, on Facebook, I'm Lusanda Gia. Uh, same thing on LinkedIn, I'm Lusanda Gia. I, um, that's probably the easiest way to get a hold of me. Otherwise, I'm going to start giving you two different websites. Or two different. Lusanda Gia. Okay. okay. I, I'm also no longer averse to giving my phone number if somebody tries to reach me. <laughs> It's fine. Let, let them find you on, on, on social media. Yes, it's yeah. my name. It's Lusanda Chia. Okay. Yeah. okay. Thank you, Sandra, for taking the time. It's been a great conversation. I know I've been threatening you for weeks, like, we need to do this. We need to do this. But it's finally happening. Giving me a complex. Yo. <laughs> but it has finally happened. Thank you for taking the time to um engage with us in this change conversation with Mpume. Please subscribe, like, share with friends. And if you also want me to interview you, get in touch. I am looking for people to have change conversations with. Thank you. Thanks, Sandra. Thank you. Thank you for listening to Change Conversations. If you enjoyed our show and you would like to help support the podcast, please share it with others and kindly post about it on your social media platforms. To catch all the latest from me, you can follow me on Instagram and YouTube at Change Conversations with Mbume. I am Mbume Ngobedaga signing out and I will see you again next week.